Trist is out in Portland. Ryan and I are hunkered down under a tornado watch. I th- has it passed? I think it may be. No. I think we still have 18 minutes. I think we're good. Knock on wood. 18 I think, more minutes. I think we're safe here. 18 more minutes. It's still saying it on my phone, but that's a good thing. So slowly but surely, we're uh, <laughs> we're getting getting away from the chaos that's outside. We did get a lot. I don't know if you got some by you. Not you, Trista. We know the weather's perfect in Portland, and it just makes me jealous every time I think about it. But here we go. I think we've we've moved on from that just a little bit. Uh, Brian Kamenetsky is the co-host of the Locked On Lakers podcast, and this is a time of year where, you know, the NBA is usually kind of quiet. This is when, you know, things kind of just simmer down a little bit. We got trade rumors out there, but not a lot going on with Dame or James Harden. And then we get that deal that the Lakers signed Anthony Davis to. Three years, $186 million. Six, over $60 million a year. Now, we know how great he is when he's healthy. We also know that there's an injury history there. But I look at this and say the Lakers didn't really have a choice. They had to make this sign, this deal happen. Do you feel the same way about it? Is that sort of the overarching feeling around everybody covering the Lakers? This was something that had to happen? Yeah, I think more or less that's basically it. What else are you going to do? I mean, you could play it out and let him play this year and he opts out of his contract. And the most likely scenario is you end up signing him to a longer-term deal for more money next summer than you would have done it this summer. So if you're worried about the injury risk, now you've added another $70 million or whatever the number would be and another year, so he's a year older. I, this, this, this is the one that made sense for everybody. There, there are about two players in the league where you could sign him to a deal that big that, that you don't worry about it. And he's not one of them. But... You know, Jokic isn't available, Giannis isn't available, and so you work with what you got. So Austin Reeves getting a ton of love right now. Uh, Probably the best contract now in the NBA. Uh, They got him for, you know, they had to pay him that number. That was the most that they could offer him. How come other teams didn't try to, to saddle the Lakers with some sort of poison pill, in your opinion? I think it's because the number, like you would have had to get up to around $100 million to, to, to get to that point where the Lakers would even have to think about it. And so any number that was lower than that, every team was like, eh, what are we doing here? You know, for 65 or 70 or whatever, the Lakers are going to match. And, you know, it's, it's a waste of our time. It's a waste even for just a day of our potential ability to go out, sign another free agent. And I think the idea of in the third and fourth years of those deals, having somebody like Reeves up around, I think it would have been like $36 million um, was probably just a little too rich for, for teams. So the, the, his, the way his deal was, had to be structured because of you know, his status in the league, the first two years were set at like 12 million. And then, so to get to 100 would have been everything left over after those first two years. So I think it was a combination of the Lakers scaring everybody away and then not quite wanting to go to that $100 million figure to keep to get him. Dorian Finney-Smith last year signed a, a really favorable contract as well, said the reason why he was comfortable signing that is because he wanted to be in Dallas. And then turns out that that favorable contract was exactly the reason that he got traded out. If the Lakers try to make some move for a disgruntled star, say a la Damian Lillard, if he doesn't end up getting moved, do you think that Austin Reeves at that number is the first – player that other teams would want i'm sure he'll be in it the good news for lakers fans is that it's basically impossible to construct a dame deal without like anthony davis in it or something like that and so you know they're not doing that they're not trading for dame you know for anthony davis doesn't make you better and so 
the, the Lakers are in a position right now where it's really hard for them to do dumb things, uh, which is good. And, you know, the dumb things for the Lakers tend to be around, you know, somebody dangles a star in front of them and, you know, Rob Palenka can't help himself and LeBron can't help himself and Anthony Day, like none of, And so there's, there isn't that option right now. The, the closest thing to that this offseason was blowing up a, a roster that went to the Western Conference Finals to go get Kyrie Irving. And I think that was even a little too risky for for the Lakers. And so, you know, that fortunately for them, we're not going to find out, I don't think. But never say never. Uh, Brian, we were hearing reports of the Lakers having some interest in Christian Wood, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I think they're only capable of offering them a league minimum contract. Uh, there's something up, obviously, with Christian Wood. He's on a different team every single year. But do you think there's any way that they do get a deal done with them? Do you think this Anthony Davis – you know, restructured contract means that's probably off the table. And how would he even fit? You know, would he be coming off the bench to back up Anthony Davis? It's a good question. The, Rob Palenka has said that they the the four, they have a, the fourteenth and fifteenth roster spots are still open on on the Lakers. The fourteenth spot they'll probably keep the fifteenth open, but the fourteenth is going to go to another big. Right now, the only other center that they have on the roster is Jackson Hayes, who yeah. the uh, the 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 Pelicans, I should say. We're like, please go away now. Like they they made no effort to keep Jackson Hayes at all, which tells you something. That you know he is part of the Anthony Davis deal. They you know he was one of the the big pieces that they got, uh, the high draft picks that they got as as part of that. And so to let him go tells you what they thought of him. So he's the only other center right now. They're going to sign another big right now. The options out there, the best two are Wood and Bismack Biombo. And I think they're just waiting. Like, Christian Wood obviously wants to get more than the minimum. He produces, statistically at least, at more than the minimum. But like you say, he's been on 11 different teams, and he is probably one of the five or ten worst defenders in the NBA. And so that's what's keeping him from getting a, a, a – nobody wants to give him any more. So – the Lakers will be happy to give him a minimum if, if training camp rolls around and he still doesn't have the offer he wants. Um, there's no The Lakers can't give him any more than that, so they're just waiting. In terms of fit, he actually, I think offensively especially, would work really well with Anthony Davis because he can step out. He's close to a 40% three-point shooter, and he can, he can help the Lakers offensively in the 20 to 25 games that Davis almost surely won't play this year. Um, he is... Hopefully, Davis, like when they were playing together, could kind of cover up for his defensive problems. Um, and then in the games where AD isn't there, you just outscore your opponent, I suppose. Um, so the, the fit isn't terrible. It's just a question of whether or not Wood would take a minimum to play with the Lakers and whether or not the Lakers could get him to focus enough to play good enough defense that they could keep him on the floor. You know, you're talking about the Lakers being a position where they won't do anything dumb, which feels like the first time they've been there in the LeBron era, really, because you're right, they dangle the stars, and then everything seems to change. The moves they made at the deadline last year really made them one of the best teams post-trade deadline the rest of the regular season, and they clearly were better mm -hmm. than a seven seed at that point. I look at this Pacific division now, though. Suns are the favorites to win, obviously. I mean, they're, they're certainly stacked and very top-heavy, plus 170. The Warriors are still have the second-shortest odds at 3-1 to one to win the Pacific, followed by the Lakers after that at plus 350. When you look at this Lakers team, obviously the division is, is absolutely loaded, What's like a win range for them? We haven't had win totals out yet, but what's maybe a win range for them that you think is reasonable for this season? Like, could they be a 50-win team this year? 
They could be. If everybody, if, if Davis is healthier than expected, LeBron is healthier than expected, um, they could win 50 games without putting the pedal down. And Because they're not going to try. They're not going to try to win 50. They're not going to try to be a two seed or a three seed. I think what they will do is make sure they are six or above to stay out of the play-in. I don't think they want to do that again. But, you know, as a seven seed, they, they showed that they could get to the Western Conference Finals. They, they can beat a team like the Warriors without home court advantage. They can beat Memphis without home court. Like, and they didn't lose to Denver because they didn't have home court advantage. Denver was way better. So, you know, it's really hard to come up with a win total for the Lakers because injuries could be a real problem that drag them down. Um, but also because they're going to be measured, I think, this year. And then the the conference, just, I mean, you know, I, I see the numbers you got up, like Sacramento, you know, 25 to one. Like, that's right. Like, yeah. that was a team that was, I mean, where were they, third in the conference last year and didn't get worse this, this offseason. Like, they're pretty good. I mean, I've seen numbers like around, oh, like Oklahoma City that are extraordinarily tempting if you just want to, like, have a, a funsies out there. Like, <laughs> the bad teams in the West are going to be, you know, it's still probably the Spurs and, and the Rockets and, and Portland, I guess, are the three worst teams, assuming, especially once Dame is traded. But, you know, the Rockets are going to be better. And the, you know, the, the, the Spurs should be a little bit better this year. And the, the bad teams are good. And I think the Western Conference is going to be what they thought they were last year before Adam Silver you know, probably told everybody to just calm down until the Lakers get their bleep together so we can get them into the playoffs. Everybody just needs to settle down and slow down. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can play hard again. But we got to get the Lakers back in the playoffs. We can't keep doing this. So, yeah, um, no. I, yeah, no doubt. I'm curious, uh, uh, Brian, about the how the minutes get divvied up at point guard. Because my my thought is that, like, Delo's kind of your middle relief pitcher uh, you know he's the guy that just eats up innings uh, until you need someone like Gabe Vincent to come in but I could be mm -hmm. totally wrong in terms of how Darvin Ham wants to coach this team like in in your opinion who is the full-time starting point guard in the regular season and is that the same in the playoffs Russell's gonna start um more interesting question I think for the Lakers is gonna be who finishes um I Lakers fans are very into Gabe Vincent. Um, they are very not into D'Angelo Russell. There's some recency bias there with, you know, Vincent had, you know, the, what he did in the in the playoffs, particularly against the Celtics, and what Russell didn't do against the uh, the Nuggets. I am I find myself defending D'Lo a lot on the podcast because I'm like he's he's a good player. He's, and he's better than Gabe Vincent. Like, he's been a more established, better player than, than Vincent. He's a better shooter. The Lakers need spacing and all that stuff. I do think, though, if the Lakers are hitting enough outside shots, if, if Reeves' shot is what it was last year, around 40%, and Torian Prince can hit some shots, and Rui Hachimura can be somewhere between what he's been in the regular season and what he was last year in the playoffs from three, you'll have enough floor spacing to see Gabe Vincent finish games. But if not, I actually think D'Lo is going to play a lot. Um, they can play together too, which helps. So um, I am probably more bullish on Russell than others.
You know, I, I, he's become the guy that everybody makes fun of. I think people still just remember the whole cell phone video thing with Nick Young. I don't think he's ever going to be able to live that down, and that's going to be the problem for the rest of his career. Brian Kamenetsky, Locked on Lakers podcast. No snitching, then. No snitching. No snitching. No snitching. How about don't cheat on your girlfriend if you don't? And, and talk about it with rookies. Stupid. Exactly. <laughs> don't be open about it, you dope. He'll never live it down. Really appreciate don't be dumb, it. Brian. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Anytime, guys. Not me, Nick. No, Nick Young. Different. Yeah, no. not me, Nick. Very no. different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just—it's gonna be. I just don't think that guy's ever gonna be able to live that down. Uh, can anyone stop Caleb Williams from winning back-to-back Heisman's? We look at Heisman odds next. It's Bet MGM tonight. <laughs> 